We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. All right, my friends. Welcome back. Dave Simons here filling in tonight. So glad that you're taking time here on your Thursday evening to spend with us at KMOX and with uh, yours truly, specifically. I always like... Have a great time when I come in here occasionally and, and fill in in the evening. Just as a reminder, dollars and cents, which has been gone for most of the summer because of Cardinal Baseball, returns in 10 days. So that's Halloween, actually, Sunday, October 31st. I could get into all the cheesy cliches about the scary stock market. And we'll t- no, actually, it hasn't been that scary, really, has it? I mean, record highs again? Uh, it's been a lot of good news, and I think... Perhaps in the third hour, 10 o'clock hour here in St. Louis, we'll we'll get to some of that stuff. But first hour, I know, got a little heavy. We got into some things that can can upset some people. I try, you know, just to be middle of the road. I don't give a lot of personal opinions on, on too many things. Um, you start talking about masks and vaccines and stuff, and immediately people start to have that wary eye to you. Like, all right, buddy. Where are you going with this conversation? It's okay. Relax. Just giving some observations of things that I see, and that's all. So we're going we're gonna to lighten the mood here in the second hour. And to do that, we're going to bring in an old friend of ours, a guy that uh, many of you know here in St. Louis. He's a Missouri native, of course, because I think he's written like 47 books on the state of Missouri in various capacities. But um, most of you, I think, know him from anchoring. The uh, news here at uh, Fox 2 News, he's remained with the Fox family, and this time down in Orlando. And with that, we bring in our good buddy, J.B., John Brown. John, how are you, sir? Hey, Dave. Always good to talk to you, man. Absolutely. So what's the over-under here for you? You know, you're in St. Louis, you go to Orlando, <laughs> you go to St. Louis, you go to So is it two and a half, three years we might see you back I, up here? I don't know. <laughs> it's uh, You know what? TV's a weird beast, right? Um and that's what uh, it's just, you know, things happen. It's not like we don't like St. Louis anymore. It's not like I don't like Fox, too. So my best friends are still over there. I love the people over there. Uh, but things happen. So, you know, you know, you lived it many, many years. So. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, one of the things I wanted to talk to you right off the bat was um, your your success as a published author and, and really making some waves. The first one, which I, Missouri Legends was your first one, right? It was. Yeah, that was back in 2008. And I love telling that story because, you know, everybody always says, well, how'd you write your first book? And it came about just like everybody. I had an idea 
and I just, you know, somewhere along the way started making a list of famous people because people may know my background if they've heard me tell the story. I lived in 20 different towns all in Missouri before I graduated college. So we lived in big towns, small towns all over the state. And I was fascinated by the people who came from these towns that people didn't realize they were from Missouri. And so I started making a list, and I would show it to people. They said, this is great. You should make a book out of it. So I wrote a draft. I took it to publishers. They said, hey, this is great. We're not interested. Mm -hmm. So finally, Reedy Press, uh, the guys over there at Reedy Press in St. Louis said, we love this. And it became a great seller back in 2008. And, uh, And so then the last of the books burned up in the big warehouse fire. And so here we are, the new one. Finally, after all this time, the new one coming out for the Bicentennial this year. It just came out yesterday, I believe. Yeah, and I think coincidentally, uh, like Missouri Day, it actually, we, yeah. we have a day known as Missouri Day, <laughs> and that and that was yesterday, too. So tell us a little bit about this new book. Well, you know what, we've gone back over, so since 2008, uh, again, this is the book that put me on the map, and I just love Missouri history. I love telling the stories of these people, and uh, the, really the one thing that I like talking to people about is all these small towns where, like I grew up out in mid-Missouri, you know, we have this inferiority complex in Missouri for whatever reason, thinking, well, the only people who can be successful are from the, the East Coast or the West Coast or from the big cities or whatever it might be. And that's what brings me joy about this book is telling the stories of these people who grew up all over the state of Missouri, had the same struggles, the same background as all of us, and yet found ways to rise to the top of their industry and really change the world. And that, to me, is the most rewarding thing about this. So since 2008, you've had people like a Jack Dorsey come out. You've had you know, a lot of movie stars, a lot of musicians, all sorts of people who I didn't write about in the first book that we've now been able to, um, to write about in this book and expand the stories from the people in the first book. So I think people are just amazed to hear some of the names. And for like me and you, Dave, in the business industry and the people who have invented things from Missouri, that's the stuff that I really – I really love, like like a Sam Walton, like a J.C. Penney, like um, you know, How to Win Friends and Influence People, Dale Carnegie. People don't realize they all came from small towns in Missouri. You know, and and, and I am fascinated by that. Can have you been able to put your finger on this at all? In, in that, when you look at these very successful and famous people from all walks of life going into different industries, what is it about Missouri that can cultivate that? Is it okay? You know, and I I, I don't even want to put words in your mouth because you're going to be yeah. the expert on this. What have you deduced out of this? Okay, so I tell this story, but I have to tell the first story because it all started with the conversation with one of my first TV agents. And I said, why is it, are there so many famous people from Missouri on national TV? You know, Stone Phillips, Russ Mitchell, Walter Cronkite. You get on the list and it's just dominated. And he said, well, part of it is because the journalism school in Missouri is the first one, still the best. But a lot of those people I just named, a Rush Limbaugh, you know, you just go down the list of people, Jim Bohannon, all these famous broadcasters. And I said, so what is it? He said, quite frankly, we don't know what you are. We don't, you don't have a discernible dialect like a New York or New Jersey accent. You don't have the Southern drawl. You don't have the West Coast vibe. You guys are a perfect blend of everything in the country. So that's why it resonates so well, because they can't pigeonhole you on the, on the national level. And so that made me start thinking. When I started writing this book, I realized the same thing for business leaders. In Missouri, we're a little bit north. We're a little bit south, a little bit east, a little bit west. We're big towns. We're small towns. We're a microcosm of this country. So in order to succeed in Missouri, I think you have to learn to deal with all sorts of people like this. You may have to deal with somebody from St. Louis with that East Coast vibe. You may have to deal with somebody from Lake of the Ozarks with a different demeanor. 
And you read these stories about people like a Henry Block from H&R Block, uh, the Danforths, you know, all these people who are from Missouri, they all had to learn to deal with all sorts of people. That's what made them successful. And I think that's one of our keys in Missouri is that we can. And that's why there's so many journalists, because they can blend in into any situation and tell the stories. And then in the business world, you have to know how to deal with all these people. And Dave, I think that's why it's worked so well. That's a really interesting take. I, I, I never thought about that being kind of, and it makes sense when you think about even geographically does, yeah. how we're even in the middle. So we do have <laughs> that, that, that we do, we have the cosmopolitan, the, 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 yeah. the, the big city feel. And then, yeah, then you've got the rural areas as well. And when I think about it being going to Mizzou at the broadcast journalism school too, these people were not necessarily from Missouri, but I think they were cultivated here. And I yeah. went to school and graduated with Elizabeth Vaughn. Vargas, um, mm-hmm. Major Garrett, um, there, and, and, and it was a class of like 24 people in 1984, <laughs> and it's like six of them, six of them, a quarter, are, are, are on the national airwaves. And then, of course, Yahoo's it, like me go, yeah, I don't want to do that anymore. I want to go over here. Well, but still finding what, success elsewhere. Yeah, when I, when I show the map of Missouri, I think that's what really the light goes off, not only for kids but for adults as well, is I show the map and how we are this microcosm of the country. You know, St. Louis, for whatever reason, we have that East Coast cosmopolitan vibe. Uh, Kansas City is more like a Western, a West Coast kind of town, a little yeah. slower pace. You have the Ozark Mountains down in the southwest part of the state, kind of like the southwest United States. You have cotton fields in the southeast. Kind of like the southeast, you got the Great Plains to the north. You know, and it's just amazing when you see this. You're like, oh my gosh, we really are the country wrapped up into one. I mean, look for how many years we were the, um, I mean, we were the bellwether for elections too. Yeah, it right. kind of shifted now, but I mean, we even had that for all those years that we picked the presidential winner for decades and decades and decades. Yeah, good point. Hey, John, I would love for you to stay uh, through here uh, a short break because I want to change the focus here a little bit. I really okay. respect your your view in the industry because you've been at it for so long. And you, you've seen the changes, as, as I have from a <laughs> distance. When I first got in the business, we didn't have competition. I mean, it, it was like... You want to watch the news? Okay. You, you watch Channel 2, you watch Channel 4, you watch Channel 5, pick, make your pick. Oh, my goodness. It's like, as you know, you can go anywhere just by yeah. picking up your laptop. So I really want to dig into how you see your industry trying to traverse this minefield of so many different choices. And is it really the death knell that so many people are predicting that someday there isn't going to be local TV? I don't believe mm-hmm. it, but I want to get your viewpoint. So can you stay with well, us? Well, I've got some numbers oh, that awesome. will blow you away All coming right. up in a bit. Thanks, John. <laughs> uh, we'll take a break and come back with more with John Brown, former anchor here at Channel 2 and now down doing the same business and very successfully so at the Fox affiliate in Orlando. Stay with us. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. 
Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Welcome back, everybody. It is 9:21 in St. Louis. Dave Simon's with you this evening, and 9:21 here means where John Brown is. It's 10. 21 and you still have to anchor a show later tonight don't you john yeah we got football on fox tonight so it's uh it's these kind of nights where you're like all right and then the baseball so i got some pretty late nights coming up here soon you know that's one thing <laughs> when i was just in new york city I, I i have to admit it uh it's hard to get used to that everything's pushed back an hour when i a show that airs here in st louis at seven o'clock seems to me to be the perfect time but when i'm there i'm like Oh, I have to wait till eight o'clock now to watch it. I have to wait till eleven to watch. Oh my right. gosh! Ugh. Isn't that wild? I mean, the, the the late local news is eleven o'clock on the East Coast, and I guess I never really got it because you know in the Midwest you you watch you know we watch the ten o'clock news and then we'd catch Johnny Carson. Yes, right. You're talking eleven thirty at night is when Johnny was on on the uh, East Coast. I don't know how anybody stays up that no late. Way. We've gotten older, Dave. That's the problem. Uh, well, yeah, I know. Just <laughs> remind me of that again. Yeah, right. Um, so. You know, that's a good segue, really, when you talk about sort of the old line TV and Johnny Carson back in the days when you only had a few channels to choose from, right? And then came cable TV and you had a few more choices. And now you fast forward to today's technology and really with the flip of your phone, you can, you're can you just fed 24-7 headlines mm-hmm. and news and all that. And so there is this thought process that, oh, the poor folks in traditional media, whether it's newspapers and radio, which we're on now, of course, in the television medium where you make your living, it's, I don't, it's inevitable. I don't know if it's five years or 15 years, but boy, the, those things are just going to go away. I don't buy that. I, I, I've always thought that, yeah, maybe you don't have as many of those traditional viewers, but there's always going to be a place for that. What's your take? Well, you know, I'd take you back in time, first of all, although you might be a unique animal, Dave, but people say, well, the kids these days just don't watch much news. I'm like, really? When you were younger, how much news did you watch? That's true. <laughs> you didn't. You were out playing. You were out doing things in high school and college. You probably didn't watch much news. You may have watched MTV or, you know, whatever, you caught some uh, sports center or something like that. You probably didn't watch too much news. And so the numbers are low, yes, um, and they're lower than what they were. But and I just got some latest numbers from Nielsen that show people across the board are watching more programming now than ever. Now, that's the word, I think, programming, right? Yeah. How many are watching traditional news? The People are watching more news than ever. But they're getting it on their phone, they're getting it on YouTube, they're getting it on traditional broadcast and all these different ways. And that, I think, is the challenge for our industry is finding out how to get people because they're watching tons of news. The problem is many times they're only watching news that they agree with. And so they get insulated from that and they're insulated with that. But, yeah, I mean, in a market like St. Louis, it's still one of the top viewership markets in the country. And there's only really three or four stations. There's no ABC affiliate. So, I mean, their news numbers in St. Louis are still incredibly high. Here in Orlando, we have like five or six English-speaking stations doing news, and you got a couple of Hispanic, but the numbers are still pretty high here, too. So I think, you know, yes, fewer people are watching those traditional shows at traditional times, but that doesn't mean they're not going to go back later and watch it on YouTube or catch it on social media. 
it's a different way of watching, but there are still a lot of people out there catching the news. Yeah, very good point. I, I totally agree with that. And I think one of the things that you're that you're really also up against is this percep- here's another perception is that um well, you know, the 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 news media leans left, all right? And mm-hmm. and uh, I don't tr- I don't trust the media anymore. Um I remember when I was when I was a television reporter in Wichita, and this is going back to 1986, and I remember I saw a bumper sticker. I'll never forget it because I didn't get it. And the bumper sticker sticker said I don't trust the liberal media. Now, <laughs> yeah. this was an 86. This isn't 2016. This is an eight, this is an 86. That was the first time, believe it or not, I had ever heard that charge mm. against the industry. And I didn't understand the, the liberal media. I, I don't get that. Well, now I do. As I've gotten older, I understand it from, from a national level. This is just... I want to be clear, everybody listening right now. This is not John speaking. This is Dave speaking, all right? (laughs) My opinion, when I watch national news, I'm not talking about the cable news networks. We know Fox News from the cable side leans right. We know MSNBC leans left. That's a given. No one can argue against that. But NBC Nightly News, CBS, in my opinion, yes, they lean left. However, local news whether it's the stations here, Orlando, or anywhere else, I don't think you can make that charge. I'm just being honest because I don't think the local news lends itself to be able to even get into the opinionated sides anything. But that's probably something, John, that you have to fight against when people say, I don't trust the liberal media. They're even looking at local stations, unfairly or not. Yeah, and especially, you know, being with the Fox affiliate, people think that we're with Fox. Take, for example, in St. Louis, uh, it's owned by a competing station with Fox, right? Mm-hmm. They're a Fox affiliate, but owned by Nexstar. Down here, we're owned by Fox, but we don't have a relationship necessarily with Fox News. But you're right, people want to say that that all the time. And then with the last election, you know, a lot of people turned against Fox because Fox had called Arizona early. And it was right. I do want to point that one yes, out. Right. So, I mean, we had people on the left who won't watch us because we're a Fox affiliate. Then we had people on the right who were like, well, you guys called the election. And so, I mean, Fox affiliates kind of took a beating there for a little bit, but the numbers are coming back now. But I think, you know, Dave, a couple of things happen. I think on the national level, uh, you know, you have selection bias. You can show your biases in your own personal life by the stories you choose to cover. Mm-hmm. I think that's part of it. But from the viewership standpoint, we've all heard so much about confirmation bias. And I think that is a bigger problem with these algorithms that we now know that Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and everybody else has. Because if you click on a story that leans right or a story that leans left, well, Instagram and Facebook are going to say, oh, that's the content they want. Send them more of that. Yes. And now we know that the negative content sells better after the whistleblower from Facebook. So people choose a story, and then they get inundated with it, and they think, well, everybody thinks this way because look at all the stories I'm getting. You're not even seeing anything on the outside. And I think that is the biggest challenge for people to to reach outside of your comfort zone and say, well, this is what I think, but maybe I'm not totally right on this. Let me explore. The problem is a lot of people aren't doing that, I think. Well, I, man, you just, you're speaking my language. When I hosted this show as a fill-in a few weeks ago, I did a whole segment on my feelings of Facebook and Twitter and all that. And I, I just, when Facebook started, 
I loved it. I was on it. I got to mm-hmm. reconnect with people I went to high school. But now, it, I, I'm sorry, it's just become such a cesspool where I just don't go on it very often because now people that I've known for years, all of a sudden there's a side of them that has come out on Facebook. I'm thinking, I didn't know that you had this in you, that you were this angry about something. And it, yeah. it really, and I think people are being played. You You hit it, John, the algorithms. I think people are being played and they don't know it. Based on what you just said, they get these these new media. Uh, they make money by more clicks and more eyeballs. Right. And so, how do you get it? You get more people involved, more fights, more fights. Yes, yes. Let's keep this going. And and they're not getting news. They're not understanding what's really happening out there. They're just being force fed more and more of what they believe in their own little bubble, and it's gotten out of hand. And the, I'll leave you with that. Then, John, is there any yeah. coming back? From this, I mean, what? Well, what's the I, end I game here? You know, Dave, when I used to do the radio show on a competing station there in St. Louis, you know, people called me the militant moderate, right? Because I was, I said, I don't, I don't choose sides on this. I just wanted to see what's right for the country. Yeah. And I think people don't realize who's paying to put the content out there because they may read something from the right or from the left and say, "Well, this is legit. This is coming," but they don't realize there's somebody with money pushing that story many times. And I think if they knew who was pushing these stories, it might open their eyes a bit. But Sebastian Maniscalco, I don't know if you've seen him, he's a comedian, but he made, he made a great point. He's like, you know, before you had all these people in their basements who may think something, but they didn't really say it when they left the house. Yes. Now all of a sudden you're like, oh, I have a million friends just like me. <laughs> yeah. So now I can be bold. And I think that is a lot of it, is people may have had these feelings before, but they might think, well, I'm the only one. But now, look, there's a group that feels this. Well, okay, now I'm surrounded by all these people, so I'm going to be more vocal. And I personally believe that's what you're seeing, is maybe people were like this, now they're emboldened because of groupthink. But again, my, the challenge that I always tell people is, one, question the source. That's always been my motto in this business. Question the source. Why do you believe what you believe? And then, is it true? And I hope people get to the point where they're just so burnt out on the constant, and again, I don't know how much time we have here, but the one point, one number that always stuck out to me is there were about 18% of people who said, I'm on the left and I'm never leaving. And it was like 17% of the people who said, I'm on the far right, I'm never leaving. Well, that left 60 some percent of us in the middle saying, okay, that's fine. Well, where's my group? Mm -hmm. And there wasn't a media for us. And so maybe we get to the point where you know, we're just burnt out hearing the extreme voices and say, okay, now where do we, I'm a person, I got a job, I'm trying to take care of my kids, I want to save a little money, I want to retire, I want to have a vacation. All right, where's the person who speaks up for me? And that's why I think eventually we might see a legitimate third party come forward. I don't know that. It may never happen because of the way it's set up. But I think there is a demand for it. I think there's a hunger for it. And I think at some point that's going to start breaking through. And it already is. And you'll see more and more people uh, with that viewpoint, starting to break through the noise. And I hope we keep going that way to where people say, okay, that got me worked up for a while. I don't want to be that person. And maybe we get back to some sense of normalcy. Man, my I hope, hope prayer. Right. Oh, my <laughs> I gosh. I hope so, too. Oh, my gosh. I hope that's true. I, uh, John, I could talk to you about this all night, <laughs> but um, I know that you also still have your regular job as well, and you got to get back and prepare for this newscast, even though it may be close to midnight before you it go It might on. be. But, yeah, listen, yeah. my friend, I really appreciate you taking the time out and doing this. It was a real pleasure, a real treat, and we'll stay in touch. Sounds good. Hey, and by the way, uh, the new books, I just got them posted. MissouriLegends.com is my website. 
I'm signing them tonight, actually. So if anybody wants a Christmas gift early, right? The nice. shipping issues, MissouriLegends.com. <laughs> John, thank you very much. You have a wonderful Thanks, evening. Brother. Good to talk to you. Okay, All right, we'll take see you. Care. That's John Brown, of course, former anchor here at Channel 2. A couple of times, by the way, he's had a couple of of, of, of little tenure pieces here in terms of, um, I'm trying to remember the first time, ah, I'll get it wrong. But he was then in Orlando, then came back to St. Louis, then went back to Orlando this summer. And that's why I joked with him. It's like, what's the over-under? You'll be back at some point. You're a Missouri kid. He'll, he'll come calling you your name once again. Anyway, thank you very much, John. When we come back, we're going to completely uh, change directions here. Um, well, in, in a way, I guess this segues into some coverage, news coverage, which was has even to this day been really lacking of a major story that came out of 9-11. I just can't believe that more people don't know this story because it's such a a human interest story and quite remarkable. In this day and age, as John and I were talking about, when people are at each other's throats, that when it's all said and done, that humans still really just want to live in peace and, more importantly, to help each other during moments of crisis. And I want to talk about that when we come back. My name is Dave Simons. It's 933 in St. Louis. We'll be right back. Visit with our friend John Brown. When I say friend, I mean it. I've known John personally for quite some time, and we've shared a lot of old war stories from, uh, especially from my days in the media now, which go way back. I can't believe it. It just—it's been that long. I changed careers nearly in the early '90s, so nearly 30 years ago. But I still have a real affinity toward it, and I, I have some good friends, including John, who uh, are still working their craft there. So thank you so much for um, uh, to John Brown for joining us. So um, when I was in New York City, my wife and I attended a play, and it's just great to see New York City alive and well. I, and I mean that. It just, it, I I would never live there, like I say, to, for about a lot of cities like that. It, there's just too much hustle and bustle. I like my Midwestern style of life. I like some of the uh, solitude and the quietness that can come from it. I like the greenery, which you can get, of course, if you go up to Central Park, which I always, it, it's like a law for me. Whenever I go to New York City, I have to run Central Park. And I'm telling you, when I ran it last weekend, it's like there was no COVID anymore. The pandemic was over. It, that's what it felt like. The place was buzzing. It was a Sunday morning. It was crowded. They, as typical, they had a charity uh, run in there. They had a charity walk in there. They had some protesters there. I mean, it was New York City all over again, and life was grand. And Broadway has just reopened. And my wife and I saw this play come from away. And I, if you don't know the story, and this is the first you've even heard about it, I really encourage you to get online and just learn the story. You can you can learn about the play itself, but it's based on a true story, and it is such an uplifting story, even though it's heavy at the same time. And, I, and I'm just shocked that this isn't part of the 9-11 story. We know the tragedy aspect of it, of course. That's the centerpiece to what happened on that horrible day. But at the same time, we also know stories of 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 heroic deeds and of communities coming together to help out. And this happened at, in the most remote place in our area of the world, way out there at the end of Newfoundland. Newf, Newfoundland, I always want to say Newfoundland, Newfoundland. 
in a small town called Gander. And if you look online and you just put in Gander, Newfoundland, you're going to see it is in the middle of nowhere. It's got 9,000 residents. And believe it or not, they have this big airport out there with runways the size of like here at Lambert. Why would that be? Because back in the day when planes were first doing transcontinental or I'm sorry, across the ocean and flying from Europe to the U.S. And let's say they wanted to get to New York, Chicago, eventually St. Louis, whatever. They didn't have the capability of doing that all the way without stopping. And so they built this big airport that could take the big planes. As soon as you got into uh, across the Atlantic, the first place you could land is way out there at the end of Newfoundland in a little town called Gander. And here's this big airport. Well, they never tore it down. They talked about it. And they were still they would still get a plane or two. I think it was they would get six flights a day there. Well, 9-11 happens. And as you know, in the middle of that chaos, with all of these planes still in the air, the call went out, no matter where you are, plane, you're landing. You're landing. You're landing. Oh, you're supposed to be flying to Orlando, but you're flying over uh, wherever, Denver right now? You're landing in Denver right now. You're not going to Orlando. Set her down. Well, what about the international flights? What about the flights that are coming from Europe and are going straight to Chicago or New York or wherever? They're not going down in the ocean. Oh, yeah, we have that airport that's still out there that can handle these big 747s out in Gander, Newfoundland. That's what they did. True story. 38 international aircraft. 38 planes, thousands of people total, estimated 7,000 passengers and crew descend on this town of Gander and another town nearby, almost doubling within a couple of hours the town size. Unbelievable. Now, here's something amazing. This is before everyone could just get on phones. Yes, cell phones existed, but not to the level they are 20 years later. So when all these planes landed, in some cases... They stayed on the runway for hours. In one case, a plane that had left Europe, so include those hours, plus the amount of hours that they were just sitting on this gander runway, 28 hours. And do you know what? The passengers never were told why. They were getting angry. They were getting restless. They just figured some mechanical thing has happened with our plane until they looked out their windows and saw 37 other planes. And now, uh uh-oh, what is going on? And they didn't know until they got off the planes. It's It's incredible to me. I don't know what would go be going on in my mind if I was on a plane for basically a full day, and I don't know why. They were then told. And then... Then the play goes into all the town folk from Gander and surrounding areas immediately going into action, opening up their homes, opening up schools, bringing food supplies in. They got people who could, uh, there were like, I think, 19 pets, including a couple of monkeys that were on board that they had to take care of. And then they talk about real-life examples of some of the people on board, um, a couple fell in love and eventually married and didn't know each other until they landed. I don't know if they were on separate planes or whatever, but wherever they're being housed, some guy from uh, England 
falls in love with somebody from the U.S., and today they're married. I look them up online. They're still happily married 20 years later. Crazy, crazy story. Then there's the tragedy part of it. There was a woman on board whose son was a firefighter in New York City. He died in one of the towers. I'll leave you with this that you can't get probably if you watch Come From Away in any other part of the country except on Broadway. And by the way, Come From Away was coming here through St. Louis. I, it was going to be at the Fox. I don't know if it happened or COVID canceled it. I'm sorry, somebody listening right now knows. But I don't know that it ever went through. But if you ever get a chance to see it, please see it. But in New York, and I never, dummy me, I never thought about the fact as I'm watching this play on Broadway that I'm literally blocks away from where the center of 9-11 really happened. Those horrific images of the towers were just a few blocks away. And it didn't dawn on me until there were times on the play, during the play, where there were audible groans and then weeping. Audible, out loud. That's when it hit me, oh my gosh, there are people I'm sitting next to and in the midst of who lost loved ones that day 20 years ago. I'm now with, sharing this moment with them. It was, I, 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 I started crying as well. When that hit me, this heaviness, oh my gosh. But I get back to the story, which is amazing. How do we not know more about that story? Think about it. 38 international planes all descending on a small Canadian town and all the town folk coming out and taking care of these people. They were there for nearly a week, by the way. Remember, everything is shut down. Planes were not allowed up in the air again for nearly a week. They all had to live there. And and the town folk and others from the surrounding areas all helping out. And I don't know that there were any major media outlets that even went up there to cover the story. This all started to slowly seep out into the media over subsequent years. And now this play has finally brought that to light. So it's called Come From Away. Look it up. And if you get a chance, uh, I would really encourage you to see it. One of the most moving plays, uh, but also inspiring that I have ever seen. Final break this hour, folks. We'll come back and uh, we'll start to tease the uh, the third hour as we get into some of the economic, finance, and market stuff that's happening today. Uh, much of it good, some of it very eye-opening. Stay with us. You know, so being the Mizzou guy that I am, I have to admit I'm a traditionalist too. You know, I, I went to school there when we were part of the Big Eight, eventually goes to the Big 12. And when it was announced in 2012 or whenever it was that we're joining the SEC, I, you know, I, I admit, I'm like, oh, man, really? I don't know if I, I don't know. It's just, I like playing KU and Oklahoma and K-State. My wife went to K-State. My dad went to KU. I mean, great rivalries even within my family. It's like now, oh, man, I'm being taken out of that. I'm, you know, and I've never quite warmed to it, honestly. Uh, I'm, I'm better about it. It's okay. I, and I know, hey, I'm a money guy, so I understand this was, it. I'm, we can't sugarcoat it. It's about money, right? We're adults here. Let's be honest. That's what it's all about. With that said, if we were not in the SEC, would Luther Burden have chosen Mizzou? No way. Now, for those of you who don't really follow this because you're not sports people or Mizzou people, uh, Mizzou made some news, national news this week because of a young man from East St. Louis by the name of Luther Burden. 
he's considered one of the top 10 high school football players in the country at any position, not just like one of the top 10 receivers. No, he one rating agency ranks him the number eight high school football player overall in the entire country. And he's a wide receiver, 6'1", 195 pounds. Apparently, this the young man can get her done on the football field. And he had committed to Oklahoma first, like late last fall or last year or whatever, and then decommitted and said, no, nah, I don't want to do that. So he narrowed it down to get this, Alabama, okay, must be a pretty good player if Alabama wants you. Georgia, wow, you must be really good because now you have like two top teams in the country practically want you. And this little school in the middle of the country called Mizzou. Like, oh, yeah, we're not getting this kid. No way. I. It's just not going to happen. So if you saw the video, and if you haven't, you can go online and find it. It's pretty cool. He's got the, he's doing this like live news conference this week, and he's got the Alabama hat, the Georgia hat, and the Mizzou hat. And he picks the Alabama hat up. Like, oh, man, he did. Oh, okay, what's he doing? He's picking. He's picking the Georgia hat up. All right, he's playing a little game here. He's going to toss one, and he's going to... He tosses, he tosses them both aside, and he takes the Mizzou hat and puts it on. I'm like, no way. But I got to thinking, if we were still part of the Big 12, I don't think he's choosing us because the SEC is the NFL football factory more than any other conference. And think about it. The other two, Alabama and Georgia, they're SEC. They are NFL football factories. So I don't know, man, if... Um, if Eli down there, head coach of Mizzou, if he uh, if he's starting to get people like Luther Burden, and we've got some great recruits, this isn't just a sports store anymore. It's bigger than that. It really is. This this is transformational. You start to get because let's be honest, Mizzou is not having a good year. Really disappointed in in the football team this year. So. That's another reason why I thought Luther Burton has been watching this team this year, and he's like, oh, I, I, why would I go there? I can go to Alabama or Georgia. So we start keeping these young kids from the area going there. Um, and, he, and apparently we have this stud quarterback going down there too, this uh, Sam Horn, who's a four-star recruit out of Georgia, and he picked it. And Sam Horn, is like, he's even texting Luther Burton after Luther decides he's going to Mizzou, and he said, this is going to be fun, just a, a quick little – uh, it was actually a, a tweet on Twitter, and I'm like, yes. Now, we can we get some defensive players, please, there at Mizzou? Because that's where we are falling short. Anyway, I just, me being the sports nut, Mizzou nut, and I just thought, okay, if this, was, if this is what being in the SEC allows us to do is start getting these kinds of football players like Luther Burden to come here and Sam Horn to come here. Okay, maybe the SEC is not such a bad place after all. And while we're on the sports scene too, um, and we have just a minute here, and I promise I won't do any more sports because I'm not the sports guy, sorry, but I can't help it, man. Watching, it's early in the season and it's three games, but when you start on the road, your first three games, like the Blues have, and you win all three of them against some good teams like, like Las Vegas, I'm excited, man. It's like, hey, okay, we won the cup a couple of years ago, and then yeah, we I don't know, we just seem to lose our we lose our focus. I don't know what it was. Are are we back now? 
Is this the post-COVID return of the former Stanley Cup champs? I, three games, of course, doesn't make a season, but you got to like what you see, and they're scoring goals, and we did it on the road. So now we get to come home. You hope there's not a letdown, obviously. But I was looking also at um, at the goals for and goals against. You know, there's a, a seven-goal difference between goals for and goals against, and that's the most in the Western Conference. So... They're probably letting in more goals, I think, than a lot of people would like, especially Barubi would like. But, man, they're scoring five goals on average per game. Tarasenko only has one. Who am I, Kevin Wheeler? I'm just turning this into a sports-related show here. Okay, I promise. That's enough. Uh, When we come back, I do want to go into my expertise for much of the third hour. And we'll keep this fun and interesting and fast-moving. But, hey, when the stock market is back to hitting all-time highs, we need to give some kudos to it. But I also want to talk about the news of today that happened in the stock market. One stock that started trading for the first time surged 400% because of one man's name. Don't go anywhere, folks. Sports news and weather at the top of the hour. We'll be back. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.